Good morning. Why don't you stand to your feet? It's good to see you this morning. You made the time change. You made it through the cold and the wet. It's nice and warm in here. And we're going to praise the Lord, the Almighty. Lift up his voice. Would you sing with me this morning as we begin our time of worship together? Let's raise our voices to the God of creation. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him, for He is thy help, salvation. All ye who hear, now to His temple draw near. Praise Him in glad
What's the saying? If that doesn't get you fired up, your wood's wet. <laughs> we are so glad uh, that you decided to join us today. We've got some things planned today. I've already asked the pastor to promise that he will not fire us after today. <laughs> um, we've got some good stuff coming, so be ready. But we do want to first of all welcome our guests that are with us. If you're a guest and uh, would be willing, there's a care card in, uh, in the pew rack in front of you. Take just a moment, fill that in. Uh, we'd love to have a record of you being here and at least try to get some information in your hands about our church. But thank you for being here uh, in worship and like Jonathan has already said, braving the weather to be here. Uh, so please fill in that. Also on the back of the care card for everybody is a place to fill in prayer requests. We do get those. And we do pray for our church family. And if you have a prayer need, we want to know about that. And as you leave today, there are two boxes on the columns at the center doors. Uh, you can drop those in the giving boxes there, and we'll make sure we get those to the right people. Special day today to honor our pastor of 25 years. 25 years. Now, he knows some of the things that are happening, but there's some things he doesn't know. <laughs> and he is the king's snooper. 
And so for us to get anything over as a surprise is a big accomplishment for us. And so hopefully some things today will uh, be surprising him. Uh, uh, just a couple of announcements. A big thank you to our mission construction team. Uh, they have been at Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters since Thursday. Uh, we have pictures posted on Facebook at Pitts Baptist Church Missions. We encourage you to put that out as one of your normal places to visit. And thank you to all those. I think we had mostly guys and one lady, a rose amongst the thorns that went with them. Um, but we're, we're glad to have that team there, and they're all back safe and sound. So thank you to that team. Our senior adult-friendly neighbors will be meeting this Tuesday at 1130 in the core gym. They ask you to bring a dish to share at some of the best food in Concord, and that'll be down in the core gym. Uh, we have postponed our discipleship training tonight for tonight on how to better study your Bible. Uh, we wanted to give pastors some time to spend with his family and friends while they're here uh, this afternoon, so we, we postponed that, and next week we'll resume that uh, next Sunday evening at 5. Uh, don't forget that our Golf for Missions tournament is coming up on Saturday, April the 1st. It will be a 1 p.m. shotgun start. It is $60 to play. That includes your lunch and $100 for whole sponsorships. You can see Kevin Knight about those. All proceeds will go back to support our youth mission team who are now preparing to go to Malawi, Africa over spring break. And so if you want to come and play, we'd love to have you, and all those funds will help our youth mission team. We are honored today to have Kurt Horn and his wife, Mary, with us uh, this morning. He will be bringing the message this morning. Dr. Horn has two sons, Curtis and Daniel, and a daughter, Kaylin, and twin children, Charlie and Maddie, who are four years old. And I'm sure he spoils them good, don't you? Yeah, that's good. Uh, he has served as a pastor, but is currently serving as professor of Christian studies at North Greenville University in Tigerville, South Carolina. He's been there since 2001. He met Pastor Scott the first week of seminary at Southwestern in Waco, Texas, and decided to come this morning anyway. <laughs> they have been friends for 37 years, and we're looking forward to hearing what God has laid on your heart uh, this morning and any dirt you would like to share. Um, Thank you for being here. I know uh, Pastor and Miss Connie are glad that you could be with us this morning. He was here for Scott's 60th birthday just a few weeks ago, and we were hoping that was going to throw him off. But I think even Melinda was saying, you figured it out. When he, she came in, you figured it out this morning. Again, a king snooper. Anyway, uh, at this time, I'd like to call uh, Dr. Robert Kirk, our chairman of the deacons, and his wife, Miss Elizabeth, to come to the mic. Also, our pastor and Miss Connie to the front for a special presentation. If you'd come forward, please. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. King Snooper. All right. <laughs> well, as the chairman of Pitts Baptist Church Deacon Body, I'm Robert Kirk, and I have the pleasure of sharing with you all a few words uh, to celebrate this very special occasion. And the occasion is a 25-year ministry of Pastor Scott Davis with us. 25 years. Now, I, I consulted the oracle, uh, I crunched some numbers, and that comes out to a quarter of a century. Higher math, okay? <laughs> Thank your sixth grade teachers, okay? That is amazing. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that kind of wows you. A quarter of a century. Yeah, and we called me when I was 15. 
I, I must have been, yeah. <laughs> a, 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 15 years old. A child preacher. Here comes the light. Okay, okay. All right, anyway, so yeah, uh, and we should all be wowed because it is highly unusual for a church to have a pastor around for 25 years that's not a non-founding pastor. And Scott Davis has, has, challenged, has risen to the challenge of the occasion and has done an amazing job in the past 25 years. The scripture acknowledges the core admiration for those who take their calling as pastors to heart. Their selflessness, selflessness, becomes the central theme of the ministry. And we have felt that from Pastor Scott for 25 years. Having had the privilege myself of growing up uh, in a home where my parents were missionaries and observing my father pastor several churches, there's some key takeaways as I watch his career unfold. And these takeaways are pastors continue to serve those who themselves are unwilling to serve. Pastors teach those who aren't always open to learning. Pastors' heart reflects a love of people who sometimes seem unlovable. Romans 10, 13-15 says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And we have received some good things from the hands of this pastor as a conduit of God's love and message to us. Pastor Scott Davis has remained faithful to his calling to be a great sheepdog of the Good Shepherd uh, in ministering to this eclectic herd of sheep called Pitts Baptist Church. So yeah, he's, uh, he's done well. And he's reflected his desire to love the people, you and me, and his desire to serve the people, you and me. His desire to teach the people, you and me. Sharing the words of an email from fellow deacon uh, Ed Polly, Ed says, I am thrilled that we are honoring Scott and Connie for their faithful ministry to our church and their faithfulness to the Lord Jesus. He underscores, and they exceeded our expectations. And he wraps up, quoting Second uh, Corinthians 8, 5. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. Totally cool. But all successful leaders, as we know, uh, need strong support, a trusted running mate, and Pastor Scott has had that in loving and understanding wife of Connie. Yeah, Scott, you, you married up. Okay. Uh, so, so at this point, uh, let me ask my own wife, Elizabeth, to help me with this part of the recognition. Uh, Elizabeth, if you'll do the honors, please. And we'll start with Miss Connie. There was some debate in the, in the committee whether Elizabeth should pin the pastor, it was uh, me or me. So if you don't want to see blood, don't give it to me. All right? so. <laughs> I recommended Velcro, but it was not well received. On behalf of the church, Ms. Connie, please join me.
powerful stuff. Remain standing for a quick prayer, please. Join me, please. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God of all eternity, God present, the Alpha and the Omega, we ask that you accept this applause as our gift of gratitude to you for Pastor Scott's leadership of Pitts Baptist Church for 25 years. For we ask you continue to empower him with your spirit and our future together as you have done in the past. Through Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Why don't you stand to your feet? <laughs> as we continue in worship, you know, if you know Scott Davis, you know that he lives in Christ alone. Amen. Let's sing this as our gift to him this morning. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid
John Newton's most beloved hymn, Amazing Grace, was connected to a New Year's Day sermon that he preached in Olney on January 1st, 1773, 250 years ago this year. From his text, 1 Chronicles 17, Newton exhorted his congregation to look back at God's goodness, to look around at all God's promises for today, and to look forward to future usefulness. Interestingly, a few hours after his sermon, Newton wrote in his diary, Hope I was enabled to speak with some liberty, but found my own heart sadly unaffected. Little did Newton realize that this new hymn he presented that day would be sung all around the world in countless different languages. It would minister to millions and may be the most revered hymn of all time. The original text held six stanzas with the final verse reading, The earth shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine, but God, who called me here below, will be forever mine. In the final days of his life, Newton said with great resolve, Although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. For the last 250 years, this has been the truth of this timeless hymn. This is the message of our lives as well. The same God who brought us safe this far is the same God who will safely lead us home by his amazing grace. Scott, we dedicate this to you this morning for faithfully serving Pitts Baptist Church, for faithfully treasuring preserving and proclaiming the word. We thank you.
Well, I don't even know how to follow that. <laughs> that thank you, choir. Thank you, quartet. Incredible, incredible music. Wow, just I'm, I'm just blown away. It is truly an honor to stand in this pulpit. And I'm going to keep this thing close by because I'm going to probably tear up at a few points here. I told Scott, though, that I said this was all a surprise. He's not supposed to know that I was here. But I said they did tell me, though, that I was coming to preach your funeral. <laughs> so I said, that's what I'm preaching here. <laughs> no, it is a... A real honor and a true pleasure to be here with you and to be able to preach from this pulpit on this Milestone Sunday, uh, a milestone in the life of this church and in the ministry of Scott and Connie that they've had here. 25 years. It is, it is amazing. In a day of so much scandal, so much heartbreak, uh, even in our own convention, as we hear of uh, disgraced individuals, it's refreshing. It's truly a blessing to be here to celebrate this kind of integrity, the integrity that we see in a ministry that has spanned a quarter century and has been one of integrity and faithfulness to Christ and the gospel. In fact, as I was talking, it's an amazing thing when you think about the staff that you have here, 25 years. Jonathan, 25 years. Kevin, 17, is it? Is, yeah. Um, Kevin Seeger, I don't know where Kevin's at, right here. 28? Now, what I'm saying to you is, it's not only unusual to have a senior pastor that ministers, but to have an entire ministry team that has been together as long as this team has been is truly amazing, and it says something about the quality of the men and everyone on your staff that leads this church. Highly, highly unusual in this day and time. And it is a, it is a blessing. Yeah, let's... Yep. And it is a blessing to this church. That kind of stability is good for churches. And you can just see it. The life in this church is a wonderful thing to behold. And that kind of stability is, is a real blessing. I've watched over my life a lot of preachers. All of us have seen a lot of preachers, not here, but just come and go in different places. But I have to say that when I think of the word pastor, pastor, there's two faces that come to my mind that in my mind ought to be the picture in the dictionary next to the word pastor. 
and Scott Davis is one of them. Scott Davis is, in my mind, the pastor. If I was going to try to model myself after someone, that's what I would want to be as a, as a, as a pastor. And what a pleasure to be here, to be able to puff him up a little bit this morning. <laughs> but we'll get to deflate later. I'll get my shots later. Kevin will get some shots in. And as I was thinking about the joy of this day, I thought about another pastor. Another pastor who wrote a good bit about joy. The joy that he found in his ministry. And it's the same joy that we sense here today. He was a church planter, and he wrote about his ministry, and he wrote about his joy. You probably know who I'm talking about, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, the church planter, wrote a letter to a church that was one of his great joys that blessed him tremendously. And that letter is the letter to the Philippians. I want you to turn there in your Bible, if you will, to the letter of Philippians. We're going to be running all over in this letter. So get, your, uh, get that phone ready to go or flipping, ready to flip in your Bible. The occasion of this letter is that Paul is in prison. He's in prison in Rome, but he has been brought a financial gift sent to him by a delegate out of the church at Philippi. This delegate's name was Epaphroditus. He had come and had brought a financial gift to Paul. And this letter is actually something of a thank you note from Paul. He's sending Epaphroditus back to the church, and Epaphroditus is going to carry this letter back to the congregation at Philippi. And in this letter, he speaks a great deal about his joy. In fact, it's a short letter. Only four chapters, and yet in such a short letter, Paul uses the word joy or rejoice 13 times. A high density of that kind of word, joy and rejoice, in such a short letter. Why? Because he really is very joyful when he thinks about this congregation. They brought him much joy. And so I want us to explore uh, the joy of today by exploring what made Paul joyful as he writes this letter back to a congregation that had brought him much joy. And, and I, I think we can see this in just two main points in this message, and I titled the message, The Pastor's Joy, because what Paul is reflecting here 
is a pastor's heart. What, what brings him joy is really what brings all pastors who love the Lord and who have been committed to the calling. These are the things that bring them joy. As Scott hears this letter, it's going to echo in his own heart. And Kevin and all pastors, these are the things that bring a pastor joy. And when the pastor is joyful, the congregation is joyful because it's actually the congregation and their growth in the Lord that brings such joy. And so I want us to see here, we're going to, I think Paul does two things. He is, some of the things he's going to talk about here are things that have to do with him looking back. Today is a day of looking back, and that looking back brings joy. But he's also going to talk about looking forward. There's things that he looks forward to that bring him joy. And so let's look at those two sides, because today is a day of looking back and a day of looking forward as well. And so we want to come at it from those two angles. Well, let's look first of all, if you turn to chapter 1 of Philippians, as, as Paul looks back, he finds great joy in the fact that this church, the Philippian church, had truly been partners with him in ministry. Now, the Corinthian congregation was more like a daycare center that he had to try to keep, keep, keep it all organized and keep them from falling apart. But the Philippians seem to have been more mature. They seem to have truly come alongside Paul, and he viewed them as partners in his ministry with him. In fact, just to put some chronology to this, he, when he writes this letter, uh, it had been about 10 years since he founded the church. He, he's reflecting back over a period of about 10 years. After his founding visit, he went back to Philippi at least two times that we know of from the New Testament and had ministered there, but the total time from when he writes this letter from the founding of the church has been about 10 years. Listen to what he says as he begins, and I'm going to start in verse 3 of chapter 1. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Be, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Listen to his affection here. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. 
Paul found great joy because when he thought of this church, he saw them as partners with him in his mission. Today, what we are celebrating is in part a partnership. As, as you look back across 25 years, it is a celebration of a partnership. Scott was called into the ministry by God years and years ago, but pastors can't accomplish their calling without a flock. You are the church. We're all the church together. And so for 25 years, you have been fellow partners with him in him carrying out this calling that God has laid on his heart. Today's celebration is really one of the satisfaction of looking back across a quarter of a century of the fruit of a wonderful partnership, a joint work you, him, the other staff members, together carrying out and pushing forward for the great commission and for the glory of Christ. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Now, another thing he talks about is he looks back, and this is in uh, chapter 1, verse 19. He says that they had supported him in prayer. Notice he says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice, there's the word, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Notice he rejoices in the fact that he knows that they are praying for him, that they have been praying for him and supporting him in prayer. One of the absolute most important things, and obviously your congregation is this, is to pray for your leaders and to pray for your pastors. And you have been that. And today is a, is a celebration of a, of a partnership, one that is undergirded by an ongoing dependence on the Lord and praying for your pastor. But this partnership, Paul also talks about, and I want you to turn to chapter 4, that this partnership had been not just one of prayer, but had involved their tangible support of his work. That, in fact, was one, as I said, was one of the primary reasons he's writing this letter. They had sent a gift to him. And listen, and, and right at the end of the letter, how he talks about how this brings him great joy. Verse 10, 410, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you had been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. 
I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days, look at him looking back, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, and Philippi was in Macedonia, so he's saying, after I left your city, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Their financial generosity can also be seen, actually, if you go with me over to 2 Corinthians, Paul is going to talk about the Philippians in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He is actually in Philippi, highly likely he is in Philippi when he's writing this letter to the Philippians. A little background, he is in the process of taking up an offering He's going through his churches and getting a collection of money together to take to Jerusalem, to deliver to the Jerusalem congregation, which was very poor, an offering from these Gentile churches and take it to them. And he's in the process of getting that collection together. And he writes to the Corinthians, probably from Philippi in chapter 8, and he's essentially telling them to go ahead and get the collection and finish taking it up so that he doesn't have to be actually doing that because he's on his way to Corinth and he doesn't want to have to be doing that once he gets there. Listen to what he says about the Philippians and the Macedonian churches. And this would have included Thessalonica. Verse 8, 8, verse 1. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. They were a generous congregation, generous 
churches and generous givers. Most pastors do not go into the ministry to make money. That's a bad move if you're <laughs> trying to make money. Most pastors become pastors because they believe God has called them to a work. Many of them leave careers in other areas and go to become pastors. But for Paul, the Philippians' support of him and their generosity was not simply that he got some money from them. It was a statement of their support of his ministry. That is, that was how they partnered with him, was by helping him and supporting him in that work. You have supported Scott and Connie for 25 years here. And that support is not simply money so they can buy things. It's a statement of your partnership with them in ministry. You are fellow workers together with them. And you take and you say, we will support your work because we believe in you. We believe, what you, we believe God has called you here. And so that tangible support of their work here is, is the, the visible manifestation of a joint work together and a ministry a joint work toward carrying out the Great Commission. And Paul sees these Philippians as partners with him in part because they step in so generously. Yes, they pray for him, but they also tangibly support his work. And your generosity makes you partners with Scott and Connie in this work. So Paul was very uh, joyful as he thought back about the Philippians, how they had partnered with him, how they had prayed for him, how they had, to every extent they could, joined him in this work. And that gave him great joy in thinking back across that. But he also says that he finds great joy looking forward, looking down the line, go Go with me to chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Paul also talks in this letter about what brings him joy looking down the road, looking to the future. Foundationally, and, and so he's in prison. He's not able at this point in time to go out and be preaching. And there are other people that are preaching and listen to what he says beginning in verse 12, chapter 1. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains... Most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former 
preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, he says, I rejoice. For, for Paul, the only thing that ultimately mattered is not whether he got credit for something, but whether Christ was raised up, whether the gospel was proclaimed. And today is a day of joy because the 25 years that, have, that we're celebrating today have laid a foundation that will continue to bear fruit in the years to come. That the name of Christ, which has been proclaimed, will continue to be proclaimed. Look at the health of this congregation. Listen, there are churches dying everywhere. There are churches today that are closing their doors. But look, there's health, and there's life, and there's goodness, and there's gospel because what has been built has been built on the word of God and the proclamation of the, the word of Christ, the preaching of the Bible, and the love of God expressed in this community. If Jesus tarries and does not return, Scott will be gone from here someday. Kevin will be gone. Jonathan heaven they will not be here but this church will because what and there will be others that will come later it's the foundation that has been built and this 25 years that we are celebrating is what lays this strong foundation that even after their service is done this church will continue proclaiming Christ because that's ultimately, Paul's saying, it's not about me. It's not about Scott, really. It's not about Kevin. It's not about, it's about Christ. That's what it's about. And men are simply vessels, tools in the hand of the Lord. And, he's, and they move out as their ministries are done, and new comes in. Paul rejoiced that even if he wasn't out preaching and able to preach, that the name of Christ was being preached, and that's what gave him the ultimate joy. And that will continue in this church because of what has been built here. This church is not winding down, it's winding up. And I've preached as a professor. I preach in a lot of different churches. You know, when you're a pastor, you don't preach in many places. You've got to preach in your own church. But I do a lot of pulpit supply in a lot of different churches. I see a lot of different congregations. You can feel death when you're in a place that's dying. This place isn't dying. This place is alive. And the 25 years is what 
gives that foundation, someone else will step and continue to build someday on that. But we're celebrating what has been built to this point for the glory of Christ. Notice how Paul, that continuing future for your church, that continuing future will depend to the greatest extent on you remaining unified in love. Look at chapter 2 here. Paul is going to actually say, make my joy complete. It's a long sentence that only has one main clause in it. And the main clause is, make my joy complete. How? How can his congregation, how can the Philippians make his joy complete? Listen to what he says, chapter 2 and verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. How? By continuing on in that. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. Watch that word, because he's going to hold up an example, the example of humility. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who... Being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, here it is, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That future, that proclamation of Christ, that mission, the great commission that we've all been given will only happen if you remain, Paul says, in unity. Unified in love, grounded in the same humility that Jesus himself had, who was very God, but set that aside and humbled himself and gave himself for us. That humility must permeate this congregation. It does today. It, he, and Paul is saying, make my joy complete by continuing on in that. By pressing ahead in that. That is what brings this pastor, this pastor, that pastor, any pastor, joy. Seeing your flock prosper and being built up. <laughs> All of us. There'll come a day for every pastor when, Scott, you'll lock the door for the last time. 
it'll be your last day here. You'll lock the door. Kevin, you'll, lock, it'll be, you'll, you'll get in your car the last time. It'll be that last one. You'll, you'll stand there and look at the parking lot and you'll say, huh, it's hard to believe, but this is my last day. But when you walk away, if that church that you have poured your heart into is full of love and unity and is strong in proclaiming Christ, you walk away very joyful. You walk away joyful. And that's the joy that Paul has. Lastly, his joy that he looks to in the future he looks all the way out to the coming of Christ. Paul's really his greatest joy is knowing that what he's invested of his life for the gospel in his churches, he actually says here in a couple of passages, he tells them, you are my joy. You are my crown. Look at chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Paul's looking out at his final reward, the day when he stands before the Lord Jesus Christ, that final day. And he sees his reward. Listen to how he exhorts them here in chapter 2, beginning verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, and not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, talking about you holding out the gospel, in order that, here it is, I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. In other words, if you continue on and become this, I know that on the day of Christ, I will be able to stand before the Lord and say, here's the fruit of my labor. Here's the fruit of my ministry. Listen to what he says. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Look down, chapter 3 and verse 20. He's again looking out to the future, looking out to the coming of Christ. He says... Our citizenship is in heaven, 320, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. That's in the future. Now watch. 4.1. Therefore, my brothers... You whom I love and long for, 
my joy and crown. That is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. You, when you stand firm, are my joy and my crown at the coming of the Lord. In fact, I, I have to go over to 1 Thessalonians and because listen to how he says exactly the same thing about the Thessalonians. Chapter 2, 17 through 20. Chapter, 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 through 20. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. So he said he had to leave Thessalonica quickly. He didn't want to, and he's been trying to come back there. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. Now here it is. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. That's Paul, everything in terms of proclaiming the gospel is about raising up these these, the church who proclaim the name of Jesus, glory in his name, and on that day, the final day, for him, his church, his people, his churches, the fact that they continue on and persevere in unity and love to the glory of Christ, that is his joy and his crown. The people... Not the building. This building can be destroyed by a tornado in one day, in one moment, in one minute. But this church cannot be brought down. It cannot be brought down unless it turns away from the gospel and away from Christ. And the a pastor's joy is knowing that on the last day, there will be fruit that the Lord Jesus will be glorified in. And that brings the deepest, deepest joy. That looking to the future and knowing that my life counted. And as you all, as all of us together, minister and invest our lives in others and sh share the gospel, that is our story. It is the people that will be giving glory to Christ at his coming. This is a great day. It's a day that we look back on and celebrate what has been accomplished to this point, but that is the foundation for the future. And it's a joy of what is to come for this church as well. What Paul really wanted to hear on that last day is what we all want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. I commend your church. I commend Scott. I commend all of your pastors with such longevity for a work well done and to continue on, to press on to where these walls are being blown out and having to build, 
you don't want to go through another building program, do you? <laughs> That'll be the next guy. I'll have to do that. <laughs> but press on to where we all come to that place where we hear our Lord Jesus saying, well done, good and faithful servant. That's our joy. That's our crown. That's our hope. And that's the ultimate thing that this church and Scott's ministry and everything going on here is about. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so thankful that we can have this really special day there's so many times that pastors are walking away in shame, but not today. Today is a day of honor, integrity, longevity, perseverance, and glory to your name and to the gospel. We thank you for everything that you have done for us through Jesus and for these servants that you have raised up. And, and how they have blessed this church and how this church has blessed them as well. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, your goodness, and that as we go into this time of luncheon and, and just truly rejoicing that you have been faithful in the past and that you've also given this congregation a great foundation for a wonderful future. Lord, we just thank you for that. Thank you for this time to relish in that as the work continues beginning this coming week and the weeks to come. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your goodness. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. Our invitation hymn is, Great is Thy Faithfulness. God has been faithful. Uh, the Kevins will be up here at the front. Scott will be here at the front. If you want to join this church today, I'm telling you, this you can't. You can't, if God's leading you, you can't do better than this. If you need to know the Lord as your Savior, they'll be here to receive you. Whatever decisions, the pastoral staff will be here to meet you at the front as we stand together and as we sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
Thank you so much, uh, Kurt, for that message. You know, I think back the memories, I tell you. Uh, January of 1986, standing in line, some, somebody went, whew, <laughs> uh, long time ago. January of 86, standing in line in the rotunda at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. We were in line going in for orientation. And I was standing in behind Kurt and Mary, and we struck up a friendship uh, then. They became like family to us that has lasted uh, down to the present day. I hope in your life uh, you have friends like this couple is to Connie and me. I, I, I treasure friendships like them. And you know, as I think about this message this morning... Uh, I had no idea what he was going to preach on. In fact, they didn't even tell me that he was going to be the one that was going to be here. I did have it figured out. But anyway, <laughs> that's another story. But, uh, you know, I was thinking about exactly what he spoke on this morning. I, I, I kid you not. I was thinking of the example of Philippi in Thessalonica and Corinth. He mentioned all three of those. And I thought, you know, I'm not sure Paul would have wanted to pastor the church at Corinth for 25 years. <laughs> you think he would have wanted that? I don't, I don't think so. Because as you so aptly put it, they were kind of like managing a daycare, right? Uh, just read the letter. I still don't understand to this day why churches name themselves Corinth Baptist Church. You, you know, you drive through countrysides and see that. I'm like, have you read the letter? <laughs> <laughs> but then Philippi and Thessalonica. Uh, Philippi in particular because of the people that they were. You listen to this letter as he has gone through it. This day is about you and your patience, your patience and faithfulness along with me. None of us could do what we do without you. I'm serious. So a day like today is possible because the type of people that you are. And, and I mean that. I sincerely do. I wish you could go to some of these ministers' meetings with me and hear guys crying in their oatmeal because of what they're dealing with. I mean, it's like a fight every day and a fight every week. And they just don't know how much longer they can do it. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. 
I speak for the Kevins and Jonathan too. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't face that. And again, that's a testimony of you. And I, I mean that. I sincerely do. You know, I think of even our deacons meetings through the years here. The joyful time we've had with our deacons. And again, for so many pastors going to a deacons meeting, I mean, they're, they're taking stuff for their stomach. They're trying to calm down. They're literally getting sick because it's another deacons meeting and it's going to be another knockdown, drag out fight. I'm serious. And we don't have that here. It's, it's refreshing. And the staff, you know, they can't leave. They've got to stay. You know, I'll tell them, if they leave, I'm going with them. So they might as well stay, you know. 95 years between just us four guys. And you think of all the other staff we have here at the church, of the longevity there, the blessing that is. And the big, biggest blessing of all, besides Jesus, is the wife I have standing alongside my side, along beside me. And I really mean that. I mean, what a joy she is to me in ministry. Uh, you would tell me goodbye long before you would tell her goodbye. And, and you would be right in that assessment. You truly would. Here again, pastor's wives, what I hear about so many of them. You know, the way they come home and they want the, their husband to do something about the staff or the church. It, she's not like that at all. She's your greatest advocate and my greatest advocate and shares in the ministry with me. I honestly don't know what I would do without her other than Jesus. She's the single greatest blessing in my life. And I mean that. So, I mean, from, from side to side and all in between, I'm blessed here. I really am. And I thank you for a day like this. I sincerely do. I love you. I love you with all my heart. I do. Thank you.